1: Uh, domestically this month with all the security breaches we've seen in the U.S. sports leagues like the NBA and the NFL this year. I have an outside-the-box idea. I put it on my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com about a sports homeland security type of organization. Marshall and I are going to discuss the merits of this idea in segment three. In segment four, sports, and a guy I've wanted to get on the show for a while, Jeff Morad. He's the managing partner of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Morad took over running the Diamondbacks organization in 2004 and has led a resurgence in the desert that has the team in the playoffs this season for the first time since 2002. Morad has an interesting story because he used to be one of the most successful player agents in all of sports, representing the likes of Manny Ramirez and Yvonne Rodriguez, but he gave up his practice to move into team management. In addition to his ownership stake in the Diamondbacks, Morad recently purchased a stake in a NASCAR team. You won't want to miss my conversation with one of the most well-connected people in all of sports, Jeff Morad, managing partner of the Arizona Diamondbacks in segment four. A couple of other notes, visit my sports business blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Listen to us on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, a few things. First of all, Major League Baseball playoffs are underway. The Mets last weekend. You know, they have a a seven-game lead with 17 games to go. They cost themselves quite a bit of money. We're going to get to that next in our headline segment. Former track and field star Marion Jones, she makes big news this week with an admission. We'll tell you about that. But the thing that's gotten under my skin more than anything else this week, Nathan, the New York Knicks. Yeah, if we had done anything like that, we would have been fired. Yeah, and I can't believe that the NBA hasn't come out with some sort of a statement with all the money at stake, with all the sponsors they have, all the season ticket holders. I can't believe they haven't come out and condemn this type of action. Lots of headlines coming up. Uh, we just mentioned some of them. Caught in the cross lights. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit SportsBusinessRadio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education.
0: This is Sports Business Radio.
1: It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit WarsawCenter.com for more information. Headline number one, this is something we've all quietly known about for a long time, but finally, it was admitted this week. Marion Jones, track and field star, admitted using steroids before the 2000 Olympics in a recent letter to close family and friends. The Washington Post reported this on Thursday. Jones, who won five medals in Sydney, said she took the clear for two years beginning in 1999 and that she got it from former track coach. Trevor Graham, who told her it was flaxseed oil, flaxseed oil. Is this, this is what everyone, I didn't know, it was a clear, it was flaxseed oil. This is what we hear from everyone,
2: Nathan. I I never get this, and you know, it's amazing after this long that the guilt and pressure finally got to her. That's why I'm amazed with Barry Bonds that he's been able to hold out this long because if I'm an athlete like this, eventually I'm finally going to have to spill this, you know, spill this out and let
1: everybody know. It's probably a huge weight lifted off her shoulders because everybody knew. Well, as you said, until now, Jones had steadfastly denied she ever took any kind of performance-enhancing drug. Jones also said she will plead guilty in New York to two counts of lying to federal agents about her drug use in an unrelated financial matter, the Post reported. She was involved with some bad people, Trevor Graham, her ex-husband C.J. Hunter, um, and, you know, it's interesting that she chose now to admit this, but it definitely taints her legacy. She will probably have to give back the five gold medals that she won in Sydney. Our second headline, Major League Baseball playoffs are underway. TBS is carrying all of the divisional championship games, all the NLCS games, and I'll tell you what, Nathan, I'm not impressed with their coverage and their studio coverage. I like Ernie Johnson. Frank Thomas looks nervous and tight. Cal Ripken looks okay, but he looks a little out of place, and... 520,000 households in Chicago don't even get TBS and can't watch the Cubs. No, I completely agree with you. I think the coverage has been terrible.
2: I agree with you on Frank Thomas. He looks terrified in front of the camera. Cal Ripken, not that bad. Ernie Johnson, who I love when he does the NBA. But the other thing for me is I like watching high def. I spent the money on a high def TV, love watching baseball postseason in high def, and I can't watch it
1: on TBS, so that's frustrating. The other thing that some people are complaining about is the games have been moved to The daytime, we're not seeing the Yankees in prime time. We're not seeing the Red Sox in prime time. If you're in Chicago, the games aren't starting until 9 or 10 o'clock. So some people are complaining, you know what, I'm either at work and I can't see it because it's during the day. Or it's too late at night and I've already gone to bed and I get to watch two or three innings. Well, I'm complaining
2: because I am at work. And, you know, we talk every year around March about March Madness. Now, you can watch streaming video. Why is this not available to be able to watch streaming video of these games right now? Major League Baseball made the decision to have these games on earlier, make them available to people to watch online.
1: Well, and then the other thing, the final note on this is ESPN and Major League Baseball have been at odds since the All-Star break when ESPN... Jump the gun and announce the All-Star teams early. So uh, ESPN has been banned from doing all these types of things. Well, finally this week, they made a deal where ESPN will be able to bring their baseball tonight set inside the uh, American League field for the World Series. But if ESPN wants to promote baseball, they've done a better job than anyone else. I think Major
2: League Baseball should let them. I think they should too, and, and I'm having flashes of NHL right now with TBS.
1: Yeah, I mean, look at what the NHL did. They went away from ESPN. They went to versus. They lost a lot of viewers, a lot of fans. It looks like that's happening here. TBS has seen on 23 million less households in the United States than ESPN. Our next headline, Yankees general partner Hal Steinbrenner, the son of owner George Steinbrenner, has been elected as chair of Yankee Global Enterprises, the holding company of the team. This is big news. Obviously, George Steinbrenner not in good health has not made any public appearances. He made one appearance recently, I think, uh, at a Yankee game at the end of the year. But he's not a regular. We don't hear from him like we used to. People have been saying, is the team going to be sold? Is someone else in the family going to step up? Well, it looks like Hal Steinbrenner is going to step up. Steve Swindell, who was Steinbrenner's son-in-law, well, he's now divorced from Steinbrenner's daughter. He's out of the picture. So it looks like Hal Steinbrenner, only 38 years old, is going to inherit the kingdom of the Yankees. Well, George Steinbrenner was pretty young when he started owning the
2: Yankees. You know, I don't think this is any big deal, or not, I shouldn't say big deal, but any surprise, because I think everybody's been expecting this all along. I didn't think that the Yankees would be sold. I thought one of his kids would eventually take it over.
1: Well, and this will be the last year in old Yankee Stadium. It opens up uh, a new stadium at the end of this year. Our last headline, the New York Mets. They had a seven-game lead with 17 games to go. Nathan, they could lose as much as $15 million. Obviously, we have no idea how far they would have gone, but if they would have advanced to the World Series like a lot of people thought they would— They could have made up to $15 million, essentially a million dollars for every home game.
2: Well, yeah, and they've decided to uh, re-sign Willie Randolph, the manager, which I think is a big move. After falling apart like that, one of the worst collapses leading into the postseason, they're still sticking with their manager.
1: So if you listen to this show regularly, you know that we do a segment called Caught in the Crosslights," our PR nightmare of the
0: week. We've got a doozy this week. For an in-depth analysis of the week's PR nightmare, Sports Business Radio presents Caught in the Crosslights. Well, this
1: one is played out on the largest stage in our country, the biggest media market in the country in New York. A federal jury decided... That Madison Square Garden and its chairman James Dolan must pay 11.6 million in damages to former New York Knicks executive Anucha Brown Sanders over her harassment suit. A verdict earlier Tuesday found that New York Knicks coach Isaiah Thomas had sexually harassed Brown Sanders, subjecting her to unwanted advances and a barrage of verbal insults. But he also said uh, he or they ruled that he doesn't have to pay punitive damages. Nathan, this has a lot of layers to it. But first of all, I can't believe that James Dolan and the Knicks let this thing go to trial in the first place. They probably could have settled for about $2 million. Now they're going to pay out $11.6 Well, yeah, it has
2: to do with arrogance. I think both these guys are arrogant. They thought that I could just walk right through this thing and get away with it, and clearly that's not the case. Like I said in the opening segment, if I was working, if you were working at a company, and something like this happened, we would be fired immediately. Why is Isaiah Thomas still able to work for the Knicks? It amazes me.
1: Well, the next thing here is the NBA's reaction, or in this case, lack of reaction. There is an appeal taking place. Maybe they're waiting for the appeal to run its process. But let's go back to Harold Reynolds, the broadcaster who was immediately fired at ESPN when there were allegations of sexual harassment. They came down hard and fast with their ruling. The NBA, they've got sponsors, they've had problems. What are they waiting for before they condemn this kind of action in the workplace? They don't have to throw Isaiah and James Dolan under the bus, but you wonder, if this was a player the player probably would have faced a stiff penalty. But because it's an owner, and basically David Stern works for the owners, it seems like there's a different playing field No,
2: and I agree. And, you know, the one thing that frustrates me, and this is a total sidebar, is every picture I see of Isaiah Thomas going in or out of the courtroom, he's constantly smiling as if he's above this whole thing, and it's not that big of a deal. And that's frustrating.
1: Well, I mean, Isaiah Thomas has been bulletproof during his tenure. He's made one bad decision after the next with the roster. He hasn't been that great of a coach. And now you've got this embarrassment. It will be very interesting to see how this all plays out. We're going to talk about this a little more coming up next. Marshall Glickman, we're going to do our Glickman Global Segment. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey.
0: or online at SportsBusinessRadio.com. For an international outlook on the world of sports business, Sports Business Radio presents Glickman Global. My guest is Marshall Glickman. He's the CEO of G2
1: Strategic. He joins us every month to discuss a global sports business topic. You can learn more about Marshall at G2Strategic.com. Marshall, thanks for joining us. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm doing great. It's been a while. Uh, Good to catch up with you. So I know you and I have traded some emails recently. I wrote a column on my blog, sportsbusinessradio.com, That The leagues need to come together, the main U.S. sports leagues, and do something called sports homeland security. We remember after 9-11 how security measures had to be changed here in the United States and a homeland security department was changed. And I think after all the security breaches that we've had in the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball over the last 12 months, we need to take a serious look at how security is organized by our U.S pro sports leagues. I know you and I will debate this, but let me give you three suggestions, three main focuses that this sports homeland security organization would have. Number one is uh, performance enhancing drug development. You know, you've got Major League Baseball trying to catch HGH people, uh, NBA, NFL. They're all trying to do the same. Why not come together and test Collectively, um, then gambling activity, and we'll get into each one of these, and then venue security. So, Marshall, let's go through each one of these point by point. First, performance-enhancing drug development. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, well, first of all, Brian, my view is that you know adding a layer of bureaucracy onto these very serious issues is not the solution. You know, I, I don't think it's realistic that you would ever get the leagues to cooperate, number one. Number two, who do you include and who do you not include? I mean, is this, what, what's your idea to uh, take this only to the so called four major leagues, professional sports in the United States? Are you talking about something only inside of our borders or to include Canada? Are you talking about including Major League Soccer? North the American ADP? leagues
1: who want to cooperate and who want to pay the freight. That's who I include.
3: Right. Well, you know, I just think that, Brian, the notion of a one-size-fits-all solution, and with all respect, because you're a smart guy and you're filled with great ideas, but I think a one-size-fits-all solution is not going to work. I mean, first of all, you're trying to interrelate the issue of venue security uh, performance enhancing drugs in gambling which are really entirely different issues number two you're trying to get leagues and organizations to deal with those issues in a coordinated way as though they all have the same policies as though they all have the same problem as though they all have the same collective bargaining agreement and legal issues and as you know that is not the case It's quite different from league to league. So the rights of the leagues to impose sanctions and things like that are not the same. I mean, I just don't think there's a federal government kind of solution here.
1: Well, you've raised some really good points, and I totally agree with you on the collective bargaining agreements being different, the legal issues being different. But what I'm saying here is I think even if you're not going to form an organization that is officially called Sports Homeland Security Security, Don't the league commissioners, don't the different league security uh, people, executives, don't they need to get in a room and at least exchange ideas on how to keep things from happening, how to how to test better for performance-enhancing drugs. The cheaters are so far out in front of the testers. And, you know, again, there's no test for HGH right now. So if baseball is doing its tests and the NFL is doing its tests, shouldn't those leagues be talking and saying, hey, are we uh, exchanging ideas and, and making sure that if I come up with a test for this that I'm going to share it with you so we can all – catch the people using hgh that's just one example
3: well you're assuming they're not talking i mean why do you assume they're not talking Uh, when i was at the nba and i was working in the area of broadcasting and sponsorship i talked to people at the other leagues all the time and i think other people at the executive levels amongst the leagues do talk to each other and i think they do share ideas and i would venture to guess that Commissioners Bettman, Selig, Goodall, and and uh, and and Stern, you know, talk.
1: But I mean, get, the proof is in the pudding, Marshall, and the pr- the pudding says that in the last twelve months we've seen some serious security breaches. Michael Vick, one of the biggest stars in the NFL, dogfighting. and it's pretty well known amongst his peers and everyone except for the NFL security office. Tim Donaghy affecting the outcome of games doesn't get caught until after he's already affected the outcome of those games. These people are tainting the integrity of the league. So to me, the proof is in the pudding. They can talk all they want. But until we see results and things get done, it doesn't mean anything.
3: Brian, we have gone, let's just use the Donahue situation. You know, obviously a horrible situation. We all saw how serious Commissioner Stern took it. We saw how contrite he was, um, and we saw how emotional he was about this issue. But one thing is, I think the NBA has probably a state-of-the-art security apparatus in place. And if you look at it the other way, when is the last time the NBA had a a, you know, a a situation where a referee, a coach, or a player was accused of fixing a game.
1: It's been a while that we know about it. When was
3: it? When was it, Brian?
1: It was probably in the 80s, I would say. No, I don't remember any. You remember an incident in the 80s? Phoenix Suns. There was some... There was was something, yeah, with Johnny High, and there was a court. I lived in Phoenix at the time, so I remember it well. And Johnny High was actually supposed to testify and mysteriously uh, was involved in a one-car accident where he was killed. So there were improprieties. Let's say say
3: that happened in the 80s, so about 20 years. Right. And how many times did it happen before that? Uh, I I don't remember in my lifetime
1: think there I was remember. a case in 1959. Your point is well taken that it doesn't well, happen point, very my often. Point is,
3: my point is that one thing happens, and you're trying to argue that there's a major security breach, and I think the track record is pretty impressive when you consider how much organized and you know both legal and illegal gambling there is in this country and in this world, which, as you know, is a billions and billions and billions of dollar industry. And we've had one situation like this? But Marshall, that's like that's saying incredible.
1: that's like saying we only had one nine eleven, so it doesn't really mean much and we hadn't had any terrorism on our,
3: our uh, Brian, turf please, before. Please, come on, this is not nine eleven, my friend. Nobody died here. I understand, right? but is what I'm not, saying there was a security breach. Don't don't make ridiculous analogies. This is not nine eleven. This is an NBA referee. And guess what? It looks to me like the NBA security apparatus worked in this case. He was caught, and the commissioner spent about 24 hours contemplating what to do, and then took swift and decisive action, did he not?
1: He did, and he handled the press conference brilliantly, and I've said okay. that on the show. The and, next... and, now,
3: and Brian, and so how is it that you think that having some formal organization amongst various sports leagues to deal with a problem that really isn't a very big problem is going to make, somehow anticipate, look, Brian, if one guy is on the take, if, if they, you know, here's a situation where Donahue is desperate, He's got gambling debts, apparently, purportedly, as as reported, right, to mobsters. The guy's scared for his life, and so he throws games, or he tries to manipulate the outcome of games, right? I mean, that's what happens in the real world. This is real life. People are human, and human beings are vulnerable. I don't think all the security in the world... No matter how sophisticated, no, how, no matter how much eavesdropping, spying, or whatever other techniques could be used, would have changed that that happened or not happened. I don't think it would have changed it. You had a, a, you, a you know a circumstance here. I find it rather incredible that this hasn't happened with more frequency.
1: My guess so is, I Marshall personally Blinkman.
3: commend the NBA that it hasn't happened with more frequency.
1: My guest is Marshall Glickman. He's the CEO of G2 Strategic, and we're doing our Glickman Global segment. We're debating uh, a few different things, one of which is a sports homeland security department. Obviously, Marshall doesn't think much of this idea. Let's move on to talking about uh, some news that happened this week, Marshall. Uh, Isaiah Thomas and the New York Knicks and the sexual harassment lawsuit. And uh, it's been another black eye for the NBA. If you were NBA Commissioner David Stern, and obviously you've seen the events that unfolded this week, what do you do or what do you not do? Do you just let the chips fall where they may, or do you take any kind of action? Uh, you know, you've seen Isaiah Thomas, a high-profile GM and coach in your league, an owner in your league. They were just found guilty of sexual harassment this week and are paying out $11.6 million. What do you do?
3: Um, I'm not a legal expert. Did they... I understand a jury re- rewarded damages. Did they were they accused of a crime or did they commit a crime?
1: Well, it was a civil suit. It wasn't a criminal suit.
3: Okay. So my my guess is that in that context, that the commissioner's options, his legal options, may be limited. That does not mean that he will not take action. I tend to think he will take whatever action he is able to take within the context of the bylaws of the association. The NBA is an association. When they accept a member, in this case, the New York Knicks are a member of the association. The New York Knicks must abide by certain rules. I don't know that David has the power or authority under those rules to fine. I do not know if he has the authority to suspend, punish. I don't know. If he does, knowing his character, in this particular case, this is a guy who I do happen to know, and I think he's one of the most moral and highly ethical people I have ever encountered in my life. And this is stuff that I know behind the scenes, you know, he's not happy about. So I'm sure that he'll take whatever actions he can and are appropriate to the situation.
1: Well, Marshall, that's all the time we have. Uh, I'll be very interested to watch and see how that unfolds as well. You know, I agree with you about Commissioner Stern. I think he's the best commissioner in all of sports. I think, you know, high moral values. Um, But I do think, you know, for a commissioner who has instituted dress codes and owners codes of conduct, I think something needs to be done here other than what's been done through the court system. But that's just my opinion and, and we'll, we'll see what I, I, and
3: very quickly, I, I agree with you, Brian. I do agree with you. I think you know unfortunately he may not do, be able to do everything that he wants to do, but I think that remains to be seen. One other point to this whole debate, remember, we are dealing in a world of human beings. Human beings are vulnerable, and I think this is just a manifestation of what happens every day in life. But in sports, of course, the media covers it in an extremely intense way, and so we're all talking about it.
1: He's Marshall Glickman, the CEO of G2 Strategic. You can learn more about him at g2strategic.com. Marshall, I appreciate the debate, and we'll catch up again next month. Thank you, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. And the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio.
0: One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports. Business Radio.
1: My guest is Jeff Morad. He's the managing partner of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Jeff, I know you're very, very busy this week. Uh, thanks for making some time for us.
4: Well, thank you. It's great to be here, Brian.
1: Congratulations on the success of the Diamondbacks this season. I've got to tell you, I'm a native of Phoenix, so I'm particularly excited about uh, the success and the return to the playoffs, I think, for the first time since 2002. Tell me about the, uh, the temperature down there with the fans, the sponsors. It's got to be very exciting right now.
4: I'll tell you what, the city's on fire. It's uh, really been fun. Uh, we probably had the best crowd that I've seen since Game 7 of the World Series here last night. And uh, you know, people kind of scratch their heads occasionally and wonder, you know, how far uh, the organization has come. We actually look back at some attendance figures from 2001, the World Series run that the Diamondbacks had, and sure enough, the attendance in the first couple division games were like 39 and 42,000, and last night we had a standing room only crowd of 49,000 plus. Uh really, something to see,
1: yeah, I mean, it's amazing again, I grew up down there. There wasn't baseball for a long time, and the city seems starved for it, so now that it's there, now that you've uh returned to the playoffs, I would just imagine that uh the city is a buzz
4: it's really great uh there's a there's a great excitement level uh, throughout the the Arizona area, and it's uh yeah, you know, I think people are, are excited about the team that we've put together. Josh Burns and his baseball operations staff have done a terrific job of building a team, not just for the short term, but a team that has the potential to win consistently going forward. And everybody, I think, has now recognized that as they've watched what was perceived as maybe too young of a team to win, uh, establish the best record in the National League during the regular season, and now obviously uh, uh, off to the uh, postseason.
1: Jeff, I want to circle back to that point in a minute, but I want to talk about you for a moment. You've taken a very interesting path to managing partner of the Arizona Diamondbacks. You used to sit on the other side of the table. You represented players, players like Manny Ramirez, Yvonne Rodriguez, Mo Vaughn. You did some record-setting contracts. What about this Arizona opportunity attracted you to switch from one side of the table to the other?
4: Well, I'd really made a more general decision that it was time for a career change, and uh over a couple year period uh, began to put my ear to the ground and listen to opportunities that might make sense uh, from an ownership perspective and uh, sure enough uh, the opportunity here in Arizona called and uh, frankly it was too good to turn down i'm i'm thrilled that i made the move uh, to say nothing of the fact that i had a very rewarding career a very satisfying career for 20 years on the representation side and established many relationships, which continued today um, during that period. And, and I uh, you know, wouldn't trade it for anything. But, uh, but I'm glad to be where I am and obviously excited to be able to watch uh, the Diamondback organization uh, kind of turn the corner and uh, really regain some of the, uh, the respect that it had in the, f- in the past.
1: What did some of your clients say? I mean, again, you did such a fantastic job negotiating deals for them. When you came to Manny Ramirez and some of the other players and said, hey, I'm leaving the sports agent business and becoming a a managing partner of a a franchise, how did they take that?
4: You know, I think there were about two that didn't take it well, and uh, (laughs) the other 120 or so uh, couldn't have been more supportive. Um, It was really a a nice thing to to be able to – you yeah, to feel the genuine uh, feelings of support and and you know congratulatory uh, sense at the time uh, from 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 the vast majority of the client base and and uh, again those are those are the ones that are my friends today and uh, it's really uh, fun to watch them some of them are in our own clubhouse uh, Levon Hernandez Orlando Hudson uh, being a couple that come to mind uh, who were clients of mine before but reality is uh, it's been three plus years now and as time goes on uh, obviously uh, uh, you know people adjust and uh, kind of see you in the new role that you're in.
1: Jeff I would imagine that your experience on both sides of the table gives you a unique perspective that not a lot of people have. How has that helped you uh, in your role that you have now?
4: Well you know I'm not a negotiator uh, uh, for the club although occasionally I'll take a project or two and uh, you know work with another another team on a trade or you know, I basically tell Josh I'm at his beck and call and, you know, assign me something that's interesting sure. each year. But uh, the reality is that we have very capable uh, professionals in place that handle the contracts, uh, which is the area where I focus most of my attention for 20 years. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, focused in probably a more broader uh, global perspective uh, in terms of where the organization's going in the future. And, you know, we're very proud to be a a good partner of major league baseball uh, we pride ourselves on the fact that uh, you know we're at least we believe we're one of the prototype teams uh, for for baseball and and we uh, you know there's a lot uh, that goes into to making that a reality and that's that's really where i spend a good amount of my focus although josh burns and i talk every day and and i certainly stay involved on the player side from an oversight perspective josh has the everyday responsibility
1: my guest is Jeff Morad. He's the managing partner of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Jeff, when you came on board in 2004 and you looked at the organization, what were the biggest challenges that you saw in front of you at that time?
4: Well, we had a, a big debt load. Um, when I got here, there were $230 million of de- deferred player obligations that were on the books, um, another 110 or $115 million of stadium debt. Um, And those are some big numbers. Um, You know, there were many that uh, characterized it as being a bankrupt enterprise. And I suppose from a legal technical standpoint, uh, that was probably the case. Um, So we immediately had a challenge of putting together a club going forward on a much, much more conservative payroll than the team had spent in the past. Um, So that this year, for example, our on-field payroll is fifty two million dollars we have another twenty million or so in obligations that uh, that we created uh, you know russ ortiz and the like uh, payments to players who are no longer with us but twenty nine million dollars more goes to players who are no longer with the organization deferred obligations that were uh, created in an effort to win the world series back in two thousand one and those obligations uh... Uh, again, had the potential to to drown the franchise. Um, We've been able to create uh, a plan that allows Josh to have the kind of budget that allows him to put the team on the field that he has this year and in future years, at the same time paying off those obligations from the past. So that we focused on um, you know, managing through that debt we 've refinanced a portion of it um and we 're you know and each year it lowers next year it 'll be twenty four million of past obligations as opposed to twenty nine and As we create greater flexibility, um all of the excess monies will go right into the current payroll because we 're nobody 's interested in taking money out of the franchise there 's never been a dollar taken out, and there really isn 't going to be any in the foreseeable future. But our focus at this point is on uh, some of the other revenue streams, uh, the broadcasting side, for example, uh, sponsorship and uh, corporate partnership uh, relationships and the like.
1: Jeff, I want to talk about NASCAR for a moment. I understand that you uh, recently became part owner of a NASCAR team. Tell me about how that deal came about. I understand that uh, one of your partners on the deal is a former client of yours, Troy Aikman. That's
4: right. Um, well, Troy and Roger Staubach had started a team that's really been a very successful, uh, now in their second year of operation, but a very successful uh, team in a, in a short amount of time. Um, the 96 car, uh, the uh, the Texas Instruments uh, HDTV DLP car. Um, and we're very excited to uh, have been able to do a deal that uh, allows us to keep Troy and Roger as partners, Uh, And along with Tom Garfinkel, who is the chief operating officer here at the Diamondbacks, uh, I decided that uh, NASCAR was something that, uh, you know, would be an interesting business and, frankly, uh, an interesting area to uh, focus a little passion on. So uh, we were fortunate enough to put together a deal that made sense to Troy and Roger and their partners. And as of about a month ago, uh, we took over control of the team.
1: That's fantastic. I've had Roger Staubach on the show before, and I know he was very excited about his uh, entree into NASCAR. So it begs the question, I know there's Roush Fenway racing, and there's cross-promotion between the Red Sox and NASCAR. Might we see any cross-promotion between your NASCAR team and the Arizona Diamondbacks? Well, I'll give
4: you a hint. Uh, We hired a driver, uh, although Tony Raines has been a terrific professional and uh, is going to continue to drive in our car for the rest of the 07 season, Uh, we've hired uh, J.J. Yaley, who's going to drive for us for the next three years. And for any of uh, you in the audience who know, uh, J.J., uh, he's a Phoenix native, like yourself. And uh, um, let's just say we're all excited about the Diamondback connection. So although there isn't common ownership between the two entities, uh, there's enough cross-ownership that... uh, there might be a little uh, incentive to uh, do something creative uh, in terms of cross-promoting.
1: I think it would be fantastic. Quickly, what about the NASCAR business model uh, enticed you?
4: Well, you know, I think it's a terrific model. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, Tom Garfinkel and I sat down with Brian France and Mike Helton from NASCAR before we really talked to a single team. Um, We had a number of teams that we had in mind to approach, but... Much like uh, I sat down with the commissioner of baseball, Bud Selig, when I got involved in the ownership side of the game, and you know it kind of all started and ended with, with the commissioner, um, I felt like, uh, and Tom felt, that the appropriate way to get involved in the NASCAR business was to begin uh, with Brian and Mike, and they were kind enough to uh, share their philosophies about the business, both current and future. And uh, and I told them that if we got involved, if we found a situation that made sense to us, that we only wanted to do it in the right way. And uh, much like the Diamondbacks have been a good partner to Major League Baseball, uh, it's our desire to have Hall of Fame Racing uh, be a, uh, a real prototype uh, partner in NASCAR, and that's uh, the way we approach the... The business and certainly the way we intend to uh, to operate it going forward.
1: Well, anytime you can get the insight of the uh, commissioners and the people running the sport, that's fantastic. My last question for you, ProTrade.com. I know you're involved with them. Is if you don't have anything else to do after spending time on the Diamondbacks and, and now NASCAR, ProTrade.com. Jeff Ma appears on our show regularly. Tell me about your uh, association with ProTrade, if you would.
4: The great Jeff Ma. Yes. Um, well, Mike Kearns uh, worked with me when I was in the agent business uh, many years ago, and uh, we had an idea that we talked about uh, kind of uh, much as Tom Garfinkel and I have talked about NASCAR on the side, uh, and Mike and I decided to start a business, and uh, the business became ProTrade, uh, which essentially is a an athlete stock market that, uh, is, that allows users to uh, to buy and sell players uh, or stocks uh, in players. and. Um, You know, it's been a really, really fun project to work on. Uh, My good friend Billy Bean from the Oakland A's uh, played a role in helping us conceptualize the business. The late Bill Walsh was on our advisory board. Uh, Jerry West uh, from basketball is uh, someone who has helped us as well. And we've, we've really enjoyed the process of putting a company together. Uh, My primary partner in the business is a gentleman named Kevin Compton, who is a a world-renowned venture capitalist in Silicon Valley. And Kevin has done a terrific job in in helping Mike Kearns and Jeff Ma and I, as well as Brent Jones, the former 49er, all uh, has helped us uh, understand how to build a company in the technology area from the ground floor. And it's been a terrific experience following the business.
1: Well, Jeff, you, just from talking to you for the last uh, 10 minutes or so, you are obviously someone who's done an incredible job of networking with very smart people over the last 20, 25 years. You're using that to your advantage. I wish you the best of luck. I'll be rooting for the the Diamondbacks as the playoffs progress, and I really appreciate you taking time.
4: Well, thank you, Brian. Uh, go D-backs, and uh, happy to uh, be part of the program. Thank, thank you.
1: Thank you very much. We'll catch up soon. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. All too often, great ideas from the boardroom go unrealized. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every week on Sports Business Radio, I talk to owners and high-level executives who are responsible for overseeing multi-million dollar businesses. And guess what? Sometimes they can't achieve everything they'd like to on their own. That's why I want to tell you about a company that's helping senior-level executives realize their potential and meet their business objectives. Sockeye Inc. is a strategic consulting firm that advises executives on three primary issues, business development, corporate social responsibility, and project management. Whether it's providing a critical outside perspective, or if it's just making sure your project is delivered on time and within its budget, Sockeye Inc. is the company to turn to. As a high-level executive responsible for making key decisions every day, you need trustworthy counsel that will help make your great ideas a reality. To learn more about Sockeye, Inc. strategic consulting services, visit Sockeynorthwest.com or call Sockeye, Inc. founder Joe Vaughn at 503-780-3032. This is Greg Oden, the number one pick, and you're listening to Sports Business Radio. Well, besides their surprising 14-1 and finish to the season, the Colorado Rockies are giving baseball fans yet another reason to cheer for them this postseason. The widow of Rockies, double-A coach, Mike Koolbaugh, who died after getting hit by a line drive earlier this season, will be granted a full share of the team's playoff winnings after a team vote this week. Nathan, last year's World Series champs, the St. Louis Cardinals, received a record $362,000 per player. That was a full playoff share. This is a very generous gesture by the Rockies players. Well,
2: yeah, and they're a family organization. You know, the Rockies have really become the feel-good story of the year, you know, based on things that they do here. You know, you and I talked earlier, there's no cussing in the clubhouse with the Rockies. They're very family-oriented,
1: and I think that this fits their motto. Well, and you almost wonder, I don't want to sound corny here, but karma. I mean, they've been doing things the right way. They're doing things like this, and you just wonder. They've had such good success in the last month you wonder, maybe someone's on their side. Maybe they've got a little bit extra, extra power there. But I think it's a really cool story. Again, you know, I know we talked about Steve Nash and some of the things he's doing a few weeks ago. We don't hear enough about the good stories in sports, the positive stories. We tend to focus on the Isaiah Thomases and the James Dolans. So I wanted to make sure that we brought up this story this week. Well, and I'm a
2: Cubs fan. And I'm rooting for the Cubs. But certainly if the Cubs don't make it, the Rockies are my team.
1: Well, you know, it was really great to catch up with Jeff Morad. This is a guy, again, I wanted to have him on the show for a long time. He was a very successful sports agent. He worked closely with Lee Steinberg. He served as a consultant on the movie Jerry Maguire. And for the love of the game, this is a guy who knows the business very well. And he moved over to the other side of the table. He's now an owner. He owns not only the D-backs, but he bought a NASCAR team. So a very uh, well-versed person, well-connected person in the world of sports. I thought it was an interesting conversation.
2: Yeah, certainly great to catch up with him. Again, I'm a Cubs fan, but you know what? He's a great guy
1: and a great organization. Also want to thank Marshall Glickman for our Glickman Global segment. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Joe Vaughn, and Doug Zanger, and our sponsors Morton's A Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, and ProTrade.com, a podcast reminder. If you ever miss our show live, you can catch us on demand via podcast. Just go to SportsBusinessRadio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm going to be headed to Los Angeles soon. I'm going to spend some time with USC head football coach Pete Carroll. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. I'm going to be given some access with him. We'll bring that to you here on Sports Business Radio. We're going to go behind the scenes for USC football. Should be fun. Should be real interesting. He doesn't do many interviews, so I'd like to hear what he's got to say to you. Definitely. And it's in la-la land, so it's always fun down there. I'm Brian Berger. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. Have a terrific week.